Hello, this is Shirley Smith with Bridge the Gap. Today we will have a conversation with a friend of mine. Her name is Audrey Jones. Audrey Jones is um, in my Reunited Book Club. That's what we call it. Well, really the name is officially Book Club Reunited. And the reason we name it that is because we, about 20 years ago, a group of us got together, we formed a book club, and we met every month. And it was very enjoyable reading different books, different authors, and just basically uh, sharing time with each other in, in what we would now call community. And so Audrey is a part of this book club. And one of the books that we just reviewed was called, the title is Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. And it's by Isabel Wickerson. Uh, outstanding book. And so what we would like to do in this particular Bridge the Gap is talk about some of the gaps of culture and how we need to work on ourselves to try to repair some of these gaps. And so as we work on ourselves, our mind, body, spirit, and soul, and one of the ways that we do that, of course, is by reading and educating ourselves, by traveling and educating ourselves, by uh, uh, really looking into different cultures and why we do what we do uh, by looking at history. And so Cass does an excellent job of looking at history. So we will have an opportunity to talk about um, Audrey and her, her journey, her life's journey, and how she's had an opportunity to live among cultures and the difference that that makes and what she has been able to observe. So stay tuned. I have a thought that you will enjoy hearing about Audrey, her opportunity to live in the United States, uh, to be born in Jamaica, and also to live in London and a number of places within the United States. So stay tuned. We will be right back with Audrey Jones. Audrey Jones, born in Jamaica, moved to London when she was about 17 years old, lived in London for 20 years, has siblings. As a matter of fact, there were seven of them, uh, two brothers and five sisters. Uh, they are living everywhere now, Sacramento, Jamaica, uh, different places. And then once Audrey moved, after 20 years of living in London, she moved to Sacramento. And then from Sacramento, she had an opportunity to live in Colorado, Aurora, Colorado. And from there, now to Florida. So, Pember Pines, Florida. So, we would like to welcome her today. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Everyone, Audrey? Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. And it's a pleasure to participate in this. Again. Well, it's so good to have you here. And as you know, one of the things that we talk about on Bridge the Gap is we try to look at how can we improve ourselves by our mind, spirit, soul, and body. And as we improve our own selves, then we're able to treat others, I think, a little bit more nicely uh, if we are, you know, pleased with ourselves. So one of the things, reasons that I actually invited you to this is because I believe that when we travel, that we live in different cultures, when we live among different cultures, we learn to respect different cultures. 
And so you grew up in Jamaica, and I want you to tell us a little bit about that. And you've also lived in London, and you've lived in various cities in the United States. So tell us a little bit about how was it growing up in Jamaica? Growing up in Jamaica was very free. You were looked after by a village because your next door neighbor knew if she saw you doing something that was incorrect, she could correct you and your parents would more likely um, add an additional correction to that. So you 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 had to be on your P's and Q's when you were away from your parents because they had you had a village taking care of you. Okay, so the village was raising the children. Yes, everybody had a part in it. If Miss Jones saw you doing something incorrect, she could correct you. And she would inform your parents of what you were doing and what she did. And they would also turn around and correct you. So it's, it's totally different than it is today. Well, how did you guys, or did you have to deal with some of the race-type issues that we deal with in the United States? How was that? Um, the race, some of it was, um, it wasn't as blatant, because uh, in Jamaica, our model is out of many one people, and you have... Let me see, you have Blacks, you have Indians, you have Chinese, you have Syrians, you name it. We have a melting pot and varying colors. Degree, you know, you go from the darkest dark to someone who could pass for white. And until they started speaking, you would not know that that individual was not a Jamaican. Okay. And so, how was there ways of that, um, like we're going to talk about the book Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. So when you think about that book, Cast, did you sense that there was a caste system even in Jamaica? In a way, there was, because you would have um, the ones who, you'd have descendants of Syria, uh, one of our prime ministers was from Syria, was Syrian. Um, you had the Chinese or the Asian population, which did not mingle a whole lot. And then you have the light complexion Jamaican, who you would find um, or here would get, you know, better jobs or whatever. So in other words, you didn't see as many maybe of the systems that have been set up anywhere from legal systems to uh, unspoken systems like, well, maybe with hiring, maybe you saw those because of shade of skin or? Yes, you you got some of those and uh, us who 
because you weren't, your parents shielded you from a lot of the outside world. Okay. And in your neighborhood, you were again shielded from a lot of the things that went on. So you live somewhat of a shaded life or secure in the, in the bubble, depending on where you live and what you did, what your parents did. Okay. And so um, you eventually relocated to uh, London, England. So about how old were you when that happened? Okay, so you, okay, so then did you did you go to college there in uh, London or how did you? I went, I went to nursing school. Okay. I started, got there, and did um, a few odd jobs to find that to get a feel of what it was like. And I had relatives there who guided me in some respects, and I applied to nursing school and got into nursing school and it was again you you went into a semi-bubble because while you're in nursing school you were guided in such a way uh, you stayed there you lived on premises um, in um what you call it you lived on campus and exposed to some of it because you have the old folks who would say, you know, I don't want her taking care of me. I want this person. And okay. You, you got some of that, but the English, the way they present to you is if you are of a different color, a different nationality, and if they're not interested or do not want to come out and outwardly say, you know, I don't like you, I'm a racist or whatever tag you want to put on it, they just left you alone. And you know that, okay, I can't go back. If you go into this pub, it's not very conducive because the guests at this pub don't like the Indians or they don't like the East Indians or they don't like the Jamaicans so you stay out of that pub and you went to one that was more receptive well did you did you sense um, a sort of a community of people with say with either a, a similar ancestry or a similar color I, I just I'm thinking about when I've had a chance to travel to do business in London, I remember I was traveling with a group of all white people and we were gonna take one of the buses to the office. And when I got on the bus, or all of us got on the bus, it was packed, so we were standing. There was just standing room and this is just public transportation. And so a young black man and I, I say young black man because I don't know where he may have originally been from. He could have been born there. He could have been born in the islands or somewhere else, or Africa. I don't know. But he got up and offered me his seat. I saw that as him connecting with me as a black person, regardless of what country I was from. 
the others <laughs> didn't get to sit down. So when we got off the bus, the question was, well, why did you get to sit? And, and it could be that, um, especially if he was from the islands or um, from Africa, mm-hmm. it was taught to him to respect his elders. Mm-hmm. And he looked at you as, okay, if it was my, if this was my mom or my aunt standing mm-hmm. there, and I did not get up and give her my seat, I would probably have gotten a slap around the head. <laughs> that's you know interesting I mean? because that's how I took it. You know, even yeah. though at that time, I think that was my first time going to London. And so that's how I saw it too. But then I've noticed that even in some of the Asian countries, uh, there is a respect for elders. Yes. Uh, even though I'm of a different um, social construct, I'll call it, because I just, just, I'm beginning to get to the point where I dislike the, the word race because I don't believe that such a thing exists. But anyway, that's a whole other story. Uh, but I've noticed that even traveling in some of the Asia Pacific countries, uh, the, the treatment is similar. You're my elder or you maybe are one that we look up to, so we're going to offer you the best seat. Uh, we're going to make sure that even though our custom is to, you know, give the plate in the restaurant to the elder person and the male, we're going to give it to you because we respect you as our visitor or whatever. But mostly, definitely, I've noticed a respect for elders is something that uh, I noticed in the Latin American countries, the Asian countries, and then the young man there in London, the experience that I had with him. And, and, and I think it's, it's, a, it's a different, um, especially in present day, that respect for your elders is not come, has not gotten through to the younger generation okay. uh, here in the States. I am not sure if um, because of economics and um, parents being outside the home, both mm-hmm. parents working, that some of that um, respect has went out, went out the door. You know, mm-hmm. there's not the... Um, respect your elders, uh, you say yes ma'am, no ma'am, um, you're called by your first name, um, whether you're 10 or 50, mm. and, and, and so it's, um, it's hard to pinpoint where the lack of respect actually And, you know, I'm wondering if maybe the exposure with media and TV, Internet, um, the cultures are learning from each other. Uh, So, go ahead. That could be. That could be. Now, I have have noticed. Oh, go ahead. But by the same token, those countries like the um, Eastern, um, the Asian countries, mm-hmm. um, 
be South America, Brazil, and all those mm-hmm. like Latin countries. There's still that respect for their elders. Okay. So you just um, think it's missing more here in the U.S.? It is, yes. Would you say that it would be missing now in, say, uh, the U.K. In, in this day and age? In this day and age, it is slipping somewhat in the U.K. because there are a lot of influences that is um, affecting what's going on there. And it's, um, it's a shame because you find if you read or see some of the um, newscasts that of things happening in the UK, there's not that much respect anymore. Hmm. That's interesting. I do notice here in the US, it will depend upon uh, the relationship sometimes that you establish with, with the next generation, or sometimes it's the way that you approach them Uh, in other words sometimes I've noticed that if you approach young people that you do not know uh, but you approach them in a manner of as if you are a mom like what are you doing why are you doing that or you know why don't you try it this way you know in other words not not just scolding them but sometimes they will respond positively to that um, it's it's really though unfortunate because I really do sense that in our ancestry, especially in the Asian countries, the uh, African countries, uh, the islands, um, Latin America, in those countries, I really do believe that elders have held uh, a higher esteem so so much they're held to higher esteem by the younger generation and so I hope that will continue but I was curious about that because of the experience that I did have with the young man in London because we certainly didn't know each other but yeah no, no but that was that was that young man being very respectful okay okay because, you know if it was um, someone from his family or his um, community, his neighborhood, he would have gotten up and given them the seat because that's what he was supposed to do. Okay. Now, going back to um, Britain, let's say racism, are you familiar with the, um, the Oprah interview with Harry and Meghan this past past few days ago, I guess. Did you? Were you I, did you? I did not watch it okay. um, because I have um, I was a little burnt out. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, I, no, I, I, and I'm just being truthful because um, if you look at all the other royals who had gotten married um, just around the same time as she did uh, uh, you look at his brother's wife there's they aren't scrutinized in the same way mm-hmm. and, and so I was just like you know what I am just 
I had enough of the same old, same old. Everything she does is scrutinized to the max. And I just felt it wasn't, I wasn't interested in, in going that route. Okay. Yes, one of the things that they did bring up is that someone, uh, it's not clear because they didn't want to name names, but people were questioning the skin color of oh, her, oh, of yeah, their children. It, it, and to me, uh, it's not a surprise. Okay. Because that is what The same, the same question would probably have come up. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, it's. I don't see why it's such a big surprise. Um, there are no different than a um, interracial family. Okay. And how is that? How is that? How do you remember that being perceived uh, when you were in London? Interracial marriages and in interracial marriages, you're still going the same. Well, but you know, uh, uh, it, it all depends on which side of the family you are. Okay. And so, whether or not someone is going to say, "Oh, probably Charles, probably not going to look like him. He's not going to be dark enough. He's not going to be Caucasian enough." Okay. It, it, it's something that. Okay, you, you can't say you wouldn't expect it from them because they're humans. Mm-hmm. Um, a certain member of the family, maybe the extended family, have done things that could be called into question. Okay. So it, it's you know it's it, I don't see why everybody's so shocked. So then, when you say they're human, you're referring to the royal family. question. Uh, it seems that from reading the book Cast, there is a caste system in Jamaica, just not pronounced. Yeah. What about what about London? Is there, there a caste is. system there? There is, because in, in London, you, you're going to find, because because of Britain's rule over so many countries, India, Pakistan, 
all these countries' descendants living in London. Okay. So they're and all, there is that still that caste system. And the British are going to look at you like, you know, I was in India or my great great grandfather was a, was a colonel in, in the Indian war wars or whatever war. And so they looked down at you. And the same thing right here, there is that, well, I'm better than you, or, you know, mm-hmm. okay. you can't get that job because of your daughter. And so then when you moved from London, you moved to Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was your first taste of what America's life was like? Yes, it was. And so, do you see a caste system here? What? <laughs> when, I first, when I first arrived, it was, again, I, I seem to have um, been in closed, um, closed arenas. And so, you mean with school. community? Okay. You know, I went back into working at the hospital and it's like a pro society mm-hmm. and so I made, I made friends there that I'm still friends with and um, were born Americans and um, you, you got treated in, in a way by certain people and you know who to stay away from or how to avoid conflict and how to avoid um, looking, having to watch out for yourself. So, what about, say, racism within the nursing industry and working within the hospitals? How was oh, that? It, it exists because um, you, you have to remember there is a lot of um, minorities in the medical profession. assume the same with gender um, maybe most oh, of yeah. the doctors it, being male yeah 99% of them are male but then now you have more female that are getting into into the profession Okay. and so they have to be a lot more respectful 
especially when they're residents, yes, they will um, respect them. Unless they take him to the board, yeah. So you have it's it's changing, and it's not going to change as fast as some people may want it to. But it's changing. Okay. And so then, with Sacramento, you moved on from there to Colorado. Yes. Can you see a difference? I'm just curious within America because now you're living in Florida. Can you see a difference in culture from, say, California to Colorado all, to all, all Florida? Three states, all three states uh, are so different. Okay, in what way? Uh, in Sacramento, it was fun. It was diverse. You had different people in your neighborhood. Everyone got along. You had the stores you could go in and it was a different it was a different atmosphere it was um, very freeing um, you could be yourself okay and you, and can, I, you I can't be yourself in Colorado sorry <laughs> so you can't be yourself in Colorado it's too cold <laughs> it's too cold to be yourself <laughs> I've had a chance to go to Loveland uh, when I was working for HP. I've had a chance to go to uh, Denver, of course, and then Castle Rock. And I'm trying to think, was there Loveland? So I've gone to those, uh, those, Uh oh, Fort Collins, Fort Collins. So it's But it's lacking in my speed. it's lacking in minorities is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. You know, there's not a lot of minorities and the few that are there, they're not gonna be going up to the mountains to ski in the cold. Okay. So it's cold. So they're not gonna go into all that snow. And so it's it's a different, you know, it's a different feel. And let's talk about then Florida. How is that for you? Um, so far, it's... Um, and again, in Florida, it depends on the area that you live in. Okay. Um, where, if you're in Miami, you're in a more diverse neighborhood. I don't know about Tampa Bay or Orlando. I'm presuming that they're a little bit more diverse than, say, where we are in Port St. Lucie. Um, it's more small town. Um, it, again, 
vacation, being on the water because we have a lot of water around. Uh, hunting, not too much. We don't have too many um, mountains and things to go hunting, but some people. But it's mostly fishing and sailing and golf and hiking through the parks and stuff like that. So, and again, it's uh, not as diverse as Sacramento. Okay. So it sounds like of the areas that you've lived within the United States, which one do you favor? Sacramento. Okay. Okay. You think you might be returning one day? No, I think if we went back to Sacramento, we'd be surprised because it has changed so much. We've been back visiting. Mm-hmm. And it has changed so much that it would spoil the memory. Yeah, it is growing. Um, a lot of changes have happened and a lot of building of homes. People are moving from the Bay Area. Uh, so things are changing. Um, and so I don't know whether it's good or bad, but <laughs> they are changing. I know because um, we, um, when we were there, we had friends who live in Roseville. Mm-hmm. And you drive to Roseville, and you know, there would be really um, not all that built up. It was, <clears throat> excuse me, you could drive and it was really quiet and you go up to Roseville and, and up to Auburn, very peaceful. And then it seems like um, Silicon Valley started getting expensive and people started moving from there to Vacaville, Davis, Sacramento, and so they're slowly moving up the hill. Mm-hmm. That's true. So now this this will bring us actually to the book that our book club just completed, which is Cast the Origin of Our Discontents by Isabel Wickerson. So looking at that book, uh, it talks about how we live in a caste system in the United States, but we are not aware, <laughs> or we were not aware that we were in a caste system we were referring to lots of things as race but in reality the way systems are set up we're actually have been positioned everyone is positioned at a level that in that level they can't seem to break out regardless of even how wealthy they become and how educated they become because the system is set up to position everyone exactly where the system wants them and they get to stay there. So thinking about the book, what was the most surprising thing that you learned and when you were reading Cast? Well, for start, the, the, most, the thing that I get surprised me the most was when she referred to Germany and Hitler and that they looked at the way in which the American, the slave owners were treating the slaves and they were at one point thinking about emulating 
manipulating the same structure and they decided that it was not beneficial to them to go that route. Or that it was the system was too harsh on on the African Americans yes. and the slaves. Yes. And they decided not to be that harsh. That was amazing to me. That was very amazing to me. So I'm thinking from when you read about the atrocities of Hitler mm-hmm. and then you read about the way the slaves were treated and their atrocity they found was okay but what was happening to the slaves they found it horrible and I'm thinking well isn't it basically the same or they saw it in a different light. Well, it's it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with uh, with Megan and Harry. It's I I just heard actually she's a princess from Iran. I was on a Zoom call just yesterday, a day before yesterday, uh, with regards to the one of the princes from Iran was actually speaking and. She was asked the question, did you watch the Oprah interview? And she said, well, no, because I just felt like that was just going to be more, you know, uh, bashing of the royal family. And I thought about this. I said, it's interesting that when Megan cries out or speaks out, it's bashing. But when people talk about what Diana went through, it's not bashing. It's, oh, poor Diana. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that, that was part of why I didn't bother watching it either. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible how people see things. Because another thing that this princess was focused on is how refugees from Iran was being treated in Germany. And so she was also spoke up that women are now speaking out and telling their truth, you know, when their husbands are abusive or whatever. But then she saw, again, Megan is just bashing the royal family. I thought, this is incredible. So, so it's really amazing, this caste system that's apparently is set up around the world as now that we can identify and give it a name, we, you saw it in Jamaica, you saw it in London, now you're in America, you're seeing it here. Uh, and it's really funny how uh, we, and especially as Americans, we point fingers at Germany because remember, we went over and fought Germany, uh, fought against Germany with France because yeah. of Hitler when we indeed trained Hitler. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. It's like, this is the most hypocritical thing that anyone can do. But anyway, that's... Well, what was the most frustrating uh, that you read and cast? Um, Or or was anything frustrating? Oh, 
Caucasians who were trying to correct it even then, but they were um, locked out. No one wanted to listen to them because the concept of a slave being other than what he was and looked at as property it's the mentality is the same mentality that's looked on even now okay and uh, the thing that kind of reminds me of um, some of the injustices is she mentioned that there's a hierarchy also in your profession so she mentioned that it seems that blacks are more rewarded in entertainment so she brought up oprah winfrey because she's a talk show host and you know so forth um then you have the sports players then you have um but there are certain there are certain professions that you are respected in uh singing dancing uh sports um media but then when it comes to she gave an example of a woman who was i think an engineer and an engineer white engineer was supposed to come to her but instead he was going to her boss and because he didn't want to respect he didn't want to respect her position and so that that's interesting because I've read other books, uh, especially one that you may be interested in. It's called The Christian Imagination by Dr. Willie Jennings. And he talks about the black voice not being heard. So regardless of whether you have a doctorate from Oxford <laughs> or from Howard <laughs> or from wherever it's from, your voice is still not heard as loudly as a white who might have a doctorate or who may be in different professions. And if you're in engineering, so to speak, uh, your voice is not as loud uh, if, if there's a white person in engineering. And so then we see in our Fortune 500 corporations, we only have, out of all of the Fortune 500 corporations, I think now it's either four or five CEOs. And so there's a woman that just recently took over a CEO position for the teachers. Um, oh, what is that called? It's TIAA. And I used to, I, I forget all the, what the meaning of the acronym is, but it's it's basically the teachers um, funding or or retirement program. And it's worth like $1.1 trillion. So an African-American woman just became CEO of that organization. And she's replacing, amazingly, an African-American man who was as CEO of that organization. But that's rare, very rare, because even though we prove ourselves with the, with the education, with the experience, it's obvious that it's still not as respected. And so um, the other thing, and then I'm going to let you talk about other things that kind of got your attention in the book, but the other thing that is really interesting to me is the President Obama situation and how he was treated being President of the United States of America, which is the country that other countries look up to 
and um, and it's and for the governor of Arizona to point her finger in his face uh, when he arrives on the when he arrives at, but the issue is that she she was still not seeing him mm-hmm. as having obtained or reached the pinnacle of mm-hmm. his success because she was for some reason or the other seen him as beneath her and therefore she's going to act that way she was frightened that in her mind here is a black man who is from slavery because she did she didn't i don't think she cared that he wasn't a slave but that was her um how she well he had stepped out of his caste system by becoming exactly. president of the United States. Exactly, and so therefore she felt she could do whatever it was she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She did not have to show give him that respect. And the sadder thing about that is that if she was in another country, they would have taken her down and put handcuffs yeah. on her. Yeah. But because he was a black president, and she was a white woman who they did bring up that she had a two-year certificate as far as education. (laughs) (laughs) He has a Columbia and Harvard Law School background and president of the United States. Uh, It was actually, I mean, it wasn't funny. It wasn't, it wasn't because I just had to stop reading. I had to... But you see, that's that's the mentality that... um, prevails. Yes. And until that mentality can be stripped away and you and in, 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 in some instances to the people who are in the entertainment uh, arena do give credence to some of this because it, they're in a position where their voice could be utilized in a, in, a, in a more constructive is that we have not been given credit for on purpose we've not been given, given credit for accomplishments uh, and things that we have provided to the American society so were there yeah, that's, that's true because a lot of um, things that were say the traffic light for instance how many people know it was invented by African-Americans? Yes. And those are made of little things that is not explained in the history or is not promoted. And so um, a lot of people don't know that. Yes. And then you get, you got to be kidding me. No. <laughs> That's true. And so she also spoke to uh, the things about the Confederate statues being torn down because even though these were doing negative things against the American Constitution and beliefs, they were still using statues in a lot of the southeastern states uh, as, I, I would hate to say this, but it's almost like they were worshiping Uh, these people who had fought against the United States, in other words, against the Union, 
Um, so there are many things that she was bringing out. Um, she mentioned lynching being another way of keeping black people in their place. You get out of line, then we're going to lynch you in public. We're going to, you know, uh, basically make you nude in front of everyone. And we're all going to get, have on our Sunday best coming from church. And we're going to watch the lynching as we eat in picnic. Uh, because we are keeping you, letting you know, do not get out of your cast. You know, you have to remain there. <laughs> now, were there other ones that just kind of came to mind that you wanted to mention? Well, of, of the books that you have been reading, since I know that you're a reader, uh, how did how would you compare Cast, uh, The Origins of Our Discontents? How would you compare that to other books? I don't know if you've read other Wilkerson books, but... Actually, I'm reading her other one, The, um, the Warmth of Other Sons? The Warmth of Other Sons. Oh, okay. Well, I have that one. We'll have to talk about that one one day. I haven't started reading mine yet. <laughs> it, 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 it's, um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bit. Okay. And, and you're going to have to read it and, um, and walk away and read it and go back and pick up where you left off. Okay. Well, I see that reading is one of the things that you do. So at Bridge the Gap, we like to talk about how we want to improve our own minds, body, spirit, and soul. Because in society, we have so many gaps, uh, anywhere from health, which we know with COVID and we've had the most deaths, I think, have been minorities of the over 500,000 deaths that we've had in America. And so how would you say that you're keeping a good balance um, either with uh, improving your mind, your spirit, your body, or your soul? What are you doing to to handle all that's going on in the United States right now? Well, I, um, I use, use exercise. Okay. And um, I love to garden. Oh, okay. So when you say you love to garden, do you have... Like a, a garden in your yard, or you garden in pots, or how do you do it? Well, I have a combination. I have um, front of our house. I have flower beds that I plant lots of flowers and spruce up the front of the house. Okay. Um, my curb appeal, and I have a garden. I think it's a six by twelve. Oh wow, that's big. Um, where I plant kale and colored greens and mustard greens, oh, arugula, okay. jalapeno peppers, spring onions, tomatoes, <laughs> celery, thyme, parsley, and just just about anything that I feel like I need to, I like, I enjoy. I have mango trees. I have. Um, Aki trees, I have salad trees. Okay. And so, I just, that to me is my stress reliever. I have okay. orchids um, that I go out and look at them when they bloom, I talk to them. 
Christmas cactus. Um, so I go for in my neighborhood at present. It is very calm, very quiet. Okay. Uh, I feel very safe in it, and so I go for long walks in my neighborhood, and um, I come back and I do my sewing. I make um, getting back into making, learning how to do quilts. Oh wow! So I I just like to do things. I can't sit. Um, very long without having something to do. I knit. Uh, I haven't done that in a while, but I do knit. And um, I like to move furniture around, but I can't do it. Because my husband kills me because he don't. Where did you move this to now? Um, so <laughs> I like to do that. I like to. So it sounds like you like to decorate probably uh, the interior of your house as well. I do, but um, with COVID, I've been on, I put it on the back burner because he's there going, what are you doing now? What are you changing now? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I to, to calm his anxiety, I, I just said, okay, fine. I'll just do so much. But it, it, it's, I try and surround myself with people I can call and go, look, I'm doing this quilt. What am I doing that's incorrect? What am I do? What do I need to do? Or I have a friend who lives up the street from me. She is into class and she make all these wooden um, Bugs Bunny and ladies and Easter eggs. She has these wooden cutouts for every holiday. Oh my goodness. And she paints them, and she stick them in her in, in her on her lawn and stuff like that. So it's it's that's my fun. That's my release. Okay. Well, that's a, it. Seems that you found quite a few things to to do that. But then you are retired, so you have a little bit more time to do those things. Do even before I was retired. Oh, okay. Okay. I would make, I would make time to do it because uh, the medical profession is one of such that's very stressful. So that would oh, that's be true. My stress relievers. That is true. Well, I have learned now to. I'm starting to plant collards and uh, also kale. Uh, I just uh, put a few seeds in the ground for carrots. Uh, and then and I'm saying in the pot, ground in pots, because I don't have a big enough backyard to have an actual garden, but I do have pots now. And so I've always loved flowers, so I do have a couple or so um, plants. I have calla lilies in the front yard, and then geraniums as well. And then in the backyard, I've planted geraniums and um, have some calla lilies back there. and. Then I have a few trees. So the birds gave me about three plum trees. <laughs> and because they knew I would not get them any other way. <laughs> but, and then um, I have a citron tree, a lemon tree. And my citron tree actually grows oranges as well, but not as many as it used to. But um, 
One of the things that I do want to say is to those who are listening, always have something that you can do to help balance when you're in stressful situations like what we're in in the United States. And Audrey, I would like to thank you for being a part of Bridge the Gap today. Did you have a parting thought? I I enjoy it tremendously. And all I can say to folks is um, just try not to be too materialistic and find... I hope you have enjoyed this conversation with Audrey Jones. And I'm also hoping that it inspires you, one, to read, two, to travel, three, to respect diversity. Uh, Broaden your thinking about even though cultures may be different, they yet they can be very similar. And so let us bridge the gap by educating ourselves about culture, about people, and actually participating with people from various nations because we learn so much when we're together. I would like to, as always, suggest some books for you to read as well. Another Isabel Wickerson book is The Warmth of Other Suns. This is a book that you may uh, be interested in taking a look at. Another book, Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings, An American Controversy. And then we have Dog Whistle Politics. This is actually by Hanny uh, Lopez. And the other book that I have not read yet, but I'm getting ready to read this is A Promised Land by President Barack Obama. As always, find ways to bridge gaps in society, among friends, family, peers. I have a thought that if you can be clever enough to learn to bridge gaps in your relationships, that you will be a much happier person. We say goodbye to you. We hope you enjoyed Bridge the Gap today.